1: My guest is comedian, musician, Hal Sparks. He'll bring his Van Halen tribute show, Nerd Halen, to Las Vegas on July 21st at Counts Vamped Rock Bar and Grill. His show is part of Punchlines and Backlines, a music fan-themed stand-up comedy show that features rock stars doing stand-up for the first time and is headlined by national touring comedians. For ticket information, go to vampedvegas.com. And for everything about Hal Sparks, go to halsparks.com and you can follow him on Twitter, Instagram, and Facebook. And Hal, welcome to the show.
0: Thanks, it's good to be here. I'm I'm excited. It's gonna be
1: fun. I read somewhere there's a maximum number of only three Hal's allowed in show business. It's Hal March, Hal Linden, and you, that's it. And yep. do you agree with that with that analysis?
0: Absolutely. At a time uh, at one point there was a uh, a robot uh, well, an AI <laughs> computer and he had to be disposed of. Um, we That's were right. over quota. We were that was before I came along. And he had to be removed from the the, the, the show uh, the, business guild the equation. Yeah, before I came in, was, that was, I figured it was. I considered it a fair trade.
1: Yeah, I do too. Now that he didn't. One of the reasons too was that the the robot was exiled is he did not speak either Mandarin or French.
0: This is true. So well, you I mean, to, I suppose if he had to, he could switch to C three PO you know, mode and, and muddle his way through. Um, but yes, I, I, you know, one of the things about apparently, uh, I don't know that if you're going to have a megalomaniacal uh, computer, it has to have a mildly British accent. Although, uh, although it was created in Urbana, Illinois, uh, uh, Illinois. And if it's a robot, they have to be Austrian. Yeah, Which exactly. quite frankly makes total sense. I love that the fact that the AI in the future that Skynet decided we need to make the Terminators incredibly scary. <laughs> and the best way they can go, all right, we've got him. He's meaty. He's, he's, he's stern looking. He can kill you. He'll never die. He'll follow you to your death. What else? Austrian accent. I'm going with this. Is, I'm the, try to do this. You know, I'm already afraid, just pretending.
1: You didn't mean Howard Stern looking. You just meant stern looking.
0: Yes, emotionally stern looking. Okay, yes, excellent. Yeah, yeah. okay. Howard stern look I, A Howard Stern Terminator would kill everyone simply because you would never feel threatened until it was too late. (laughs) That's my theory, and I'm sticking to it.
1: Hey, absolutely. You're a hyphenate, and I hate to say that because it has sometimes a weird connotation, but in this case, (laughs) stand-up comedian, actor, Mm -hmm. podcaster, radio host, political commentator, and musician, and you're bringing two out of those 11 things to Las Vegas, as I mentioned, and those are comedy and music, and how in the world did you ever get to Nerd Halen? please tell us a history.
0: Well, you know, um, I have my own band Zero One. It's a serious musical endeavor. I've been in bands since I was a kid. My dad is a bluegrass musician. So if your dad is into bluegrass or country, it means you're going to be a metalhead. And so I grew up playing rock and playing guitar and singing and writing my own songs and yada, yada. And I do a thing at the Whiskey a go go in Los Angeles on the famous Sunset Strip, the world famous Sunset Strip, uh, a, a couple times a month called the Ultimate Jam Night, where everybody, the musicians and people who sing and play, get together and they, there's a huge rotating lineup. And every song, no one is rehearsed. You just know that's your song. Just come knowing it. And once you hit the downbeat, you're on your own. It's really fun. It's very exciting. It's nerve wracking, and and I always get the really difficult high note male songs <laughs> because with lots of lyrics because no one else wants to do them. So I, I'm uh, you know I'm a good I'm known for being the good sport. So I show up to you know I'm doing one of these and this guy Caleb Rappaport comes up to me and he's doing one of the Van Halen songs and he he's all shy and all this stuff and he comes up to me and he's like I'm. I don't want to bother you. We played on another song at the jam once. I don't know if you remember. I was, uh, I was just want to say I have this. I was wondering. I don't know. I know you'd like to sing and stuff. And I'm. I have this thing. It's a a, a Van Halen tribute band called Nerd Halen. And I need to sit. And before he said singer, I was like, I'm in. I'm good. <laughs> this is great. We must do this. This must be done. The world needs this. The world has too much on its plate and it needs somebody to come over and say, are you going to finish that? And and the I have to say, there are some things you do because they'll get you ahead, even if you don't like them. There are things you do, you know, that for fun and it, no money. Nerd Halen started out as one of those things, and it's, uh, and it the lovely thing is it's actually blossoming into something. It shocked all of us. but we've been doing some serious shows. and it's because we, I think f- fulfill, even though we joke, we dress up as nerds, we're, you know, because we're very nerdy about the intricacies of Ben Halen, you know, the musical qualities that they, most people think of them as kind of a hair band with the greatest guitar player in it, but there's so much musical intricacy to it that I would say rivals any prog group, that that's where we get all nerdy about it. But while we joke in between songs and around them, we take the music very seriously because I, the only, you only have one rule with a tribute band, I think. You must sound as much like the record as is humanly possible.
1: Not as As much as the live performance, but as much as the record.
0: Yeah, that's yeah. the it's, it, Now, because we're nerds, we will occasionally throw in pieces that are only from live performances. So, we'll, you know, that, that were special moments from Oakland uh, eighty one or the US Festival or the the first reunion show where they changed the ending of a particular song or Dave forgot the words and so they came back around and did a recycle. We'll do that sometimes because fans will know what that's from, and then we'll tell the ones who don't. But. The, the essence of any band is as long as because I think people will go see a tribute act to see what they missed or what the band can't do anymore. Or if the person has passed away, they can't, you know, they'll never see again. And you owe that to the people showing up, no matter what the other concept is, whatever your you know, obviously Dred Zeppelin doesn't have these problems because it's Elvis singing Led Zeppelin. That's, that's absurd. Or, you know, or anybody going into the kind of the realm of like Al Yankovic, where he's free to be himself in that context. But if you're a tribute act, you're drawing fans from that band and you have a responsibility not to disappoint or insult them. And so we do not only DLR songs, the David Lee Roth era, but the Sammy Hagar, we're, we nerd Hagar occasionally as well in this <laughs> equation Be- because it's, it's about Eddie and it's about our appreciation for the band as it existed through its entire existence. So it's, it's an interesting line to straddle comedically and, and in terms of the serious playing of the music and it, and I have to say, the irony is, and I think maybe why we're doing as well as we are, is that when people show up, they like, I thought this was going to be silly, fun, and it is, but the notes are all there. The It sounds like what I want it to sound like, and I feel good when I'm seeing it. And that, especially in this world right now, there's, there's value in political discourse in art. There's value in messaging in art. I will always honor that. I do it in other elements of my work. But also, there's a, we have a responsibility to provide pulp for people. You have to provide some level of escapism and joy so that, you know, because that's as valuable in many ways, taking the pressure off someone in their daily grind is as valuable as explaining to them where the grind came from and how it's not their fault. You know, those two paths are, are important equally, I would say.
1: When you first go on stage, though, as Nerd Halen, is there a cognitive dissonance from some in the audience because you're you've got the music obviously but then you guys are how should i say this politely nerds
0: yes we're we're uh, geeky and stupid looking I, you know <laughs> it's amazing how fast they get over it and they know that because i'm because i tell jokes i improvise you know between songs and in relation to the audience and because like david would forget some Words now and again, and because Sammy would ditch some notes he didn't feel like singing, um, I will use a couple of moments here and there to interject interpersonal stuff with the audience into stuff as long as it's in keeping with the you know the genuine genuine notes of the music, and so they get over it really fast. And usually we kind of I have to say emerge over the course of the show a little bit because the music is so fun and so heavy that eventually you're just dancing in it you're just in the music you know you accept that said, the,
1: you accept the nerdiness part and yes, go on with the music
0: that's right and and um and you know it 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 threads through the show the the nerdy character aspect of it so it it, it i try to keep it from interfering while still being a joy in between songs so that you never, you don't have any dead space or any kind of like false theatrics where we're pretending to be the band. You know what I mean? Right. And, and that right. that's how it works. It It's amazing how accepting people were, like when we do it at the jam or we do it at the whiskey or we do it at some shows in LA, there's almost like, a, oh, okay, it's house Sparks and he's a comedian and he's, he's eight, we know him from Lab Rats and from I Love the 80s and Dude Where's My Car and then here he is in a Van Halen cover band dress and this will be funny. And then the music starts and they're like, "Oh, he's also a musician." Oh, wow. Oh, this is really this wow. is really good. Yeah, And then yeah, mix you know, and then, you know, I, I put my hair back for it in a ponytail so I and I'm we're all wearing glasses and that and so I you know, I look more the part um during it. And you know, people just they, the suspension of disbelief goes out the window and they just enjoy themselves. And it's, it's fun. It's like puppet shows. I've always said that like, One of the problems with the Turing test, going back to robots, since that's our theme for the day. (laughs) Exactly. Is is that humans are a lot easier to fool than we think. It's not so much the hard part is getting humans to think a computer is alive or something like that. It's that it's not that hard. And that you'll probably solve that problem before you actually have a conscious robot or a conscious AI. And so we'll give up before we we cross the finish line because we're totally convinced this thing's alive, right? (laughs) Because if you look at humans... Look how fast a person you have tremendous respect for and you think is one of the best, the smartest people you know, starts talking to a person who's holding a puppet or a ventriloquist dummy and starts looking in the dummy's eyes while they talk to it like that. It's and happened. Then,
1: it's happened to me. I've interviewed puppeteers yeah. and ventriloquists. And yes, you, you, your eyes go right to the puppet.
0: Right. And it's and if you can and a part of that is like nobody if there was a gun to your head you're immediately out and it's whatever but in your own ease of experience you can tell it's working when there's no interrupt and that's what that's what good puppeteering is about it's what good uh ventriloquism is about and it's about and it's what good character work is about that you you don't feel like I'm talking to a guy who's pretending to be somebody I'm just talking to that person right and the same thing is watching it on a on a stage and I personally believe and this is sort of my my own philosophy of of art when you're doing live stage work is that no matter what, the audience wants to agree with you about who you are. They want whether if you don't like yourself, they will agree with you that they don't like you. Um, and if you like yourself but you're not very good, they'll still agree with you that you're likable. They don't it's more about that. They will see how you view yourself and reflect it back to you. And so even as we're nerds, there's that confidence about being smart about what we're doing and knowing what we're doing that overrides all of it. So everybody just agrees we're all there to have a good time.
1: And the audience is hungry for the illusion, so they're going to buy into it unless you guys come across as either unlikable or not confident.
0: Or, so. or dismissive of right. the art itself. And that, right. again, that, music, it's, it's, it's harder, I think, for car, uh, like character comics sometimes. Who do, you know, if you went on stage and you had a character of a nerd and you're not really in real life, but you do this because it's your act. And some people who have exaggerated form stand-ups, they run through that as well, where it starts to wear off over time and they're sick of their own persona and they can't do it anymore but they have to cuz that's the work and you'll find the audience starts you get this dissonance between the crowd they're like I'm not sure whether I buy this or not <laughs> right exactly um, <laughs> we we don't we don't have that problem because music is always the backdrop and it's that's really fun
1: if the music is authentic and or professional then they yeah. will they will buy into that and then accept the rest of it
0: that's right. My yeah. so my buddy Chris Bono, who used to open for me doing stand up a lot, he had this bit.
1: That's not the same he, Bono that travels the world. No, no, it's a much group. shorter,
0: much shorter, stockier Sicilian Bono with uh, um, with sort of a natural Dom DeLuise esque <laughs> comedic flair. But his Love the character, <laughs> yeah, his character on stage was a nervous one. He would do this, and so there was this bit where he. Couldn't figure out, he was playing, he was a guitar comic, and he would screw up playing Blackbird by, uh, you know, by Paul McCartney, by the Beatles. And he would, it would just be this like really horrible trying to <laughs> like that, because it's a really difficult walking piece. And him just crapping out every third line as he's like, okay, ready to go, let's do the show. And then it would, it would just die like multiple <laughs> times. and it, And then the next couple of laughs, people would get kind of almost like mad at him that he wasn't able to complete this thing. Like he set up this premise and and his character's a failure, but still. So I was like, here's what you need to do. And we ran into this a bunch of time when he was doing this bit. I was like, here's what you need to do. You do the whole bit where you're screwing it up and then play it, surprise everyone, nail it, and then throw on a wrong lyric or something. And then that's the bailout. That's that's now the punchline is that after all this, you could play it like a master, but you don't know the words.
1: It's always forgiven at that point, too.
0: Yes, because the audience was automatically like, oh, they're back, Uh, oh, oh, this guy's, oh, he's kidding. Okay, right, yes, I thought he was really nervous for a second, and it was so convincing, watching, (laughs) because emotionally screwing up on stage, you're not screwing up on a physical instrument like a guitar. It's like fumbling with a mic. If you do something amazing and the mic ends up down your sleeve and it comes out your jacket and you're you know, then it's funny. If you just knock it off the stand, people just think you're an ass. <laughs> so, right. So that's <laughs> and those are the those are the grades that you have to go through when you're doing parody or specific satire, especially around something that people like.
1: And he right? took he took advice from you because he knows I'm you a have. Genius. Not only that, but you have the experience because because you grew up in Chicago. You had your first big job as a TV host in Chicago as a teenager. Yeah. And so yeah. I'm sure he would know your background and therefore would accept your suggestions. And of course that you're a genius. Yes, I will yes. that in Yeah,
0: end. that's true. I mean, that's the easiest one. Just go straight to genius. That always works. Whether whether I'm whether I'm materially qualified or not, we can just leap past that. Just assume I'm right, and you'll end up better. But the um, but. Partly, uh, you know, the reason he would do that is because he and my friend Charlene, who opens for me on the road, both of them seem to have the same frustration with me when they travel with me, which is they work really hard on their 15, 20 minutes and they grind on it and they're trying to create a set or whatever. And I will sometimes get inspired by the couch that's in the green room and it's a weird color and do an hour on that. And it's as funny as any special they've ever seen. And it's incredibly frustrating. Of course it is. Charlene, Charlene wants to choke me to death in my sleep. Like many times she's like, we came down after a show in in Burbank once and she's like I, we did a show in we did like San Diego and a couple other places and then we were doing Burbank and she goes I hate you I hate your guts. <laughs> doesn't hate don't they, don't they hate know
1: face. that you're nonlinear and that's gonna happen
0: I one I would think yeah but she's like you how dare you and I'm like what are you talking about and she goes I'm cracking, uh, I'm doing like finely threading little pieces to try and get a joke premise to work or whatever. And you just blew, blew off a whole hour. I've seen you do just to yammer about something and it didn't make any difference. It was just as funny. And I'm like, well, it's, you know what ultimately it is? It's your nervous system. After you've been doing it long enough, you should count on your nervous system to just kind of kick in and go, okay, like a almost like fight, like a fight mode. Like I, you know, they often say that one of the reasons why multiple forms of Kung Fu exist where people, you know, choose odd forms like crane style and all this and stuff. And you are a martial
1: because, artist too.
0: Right. That, that the reason that so many different styles broke out is because everybody eventually figured out how to fight. And once you enter into a fight stance, it immediately triggered everyone's muscle memory. Oh, I've done this before. I know how to do this. And if they're better at it than you are, they've got to jump on you because their nervous system is cued to your normal fighting stance. So people would start doing weird stuff, like putting their arms above their head and doing weird stances. And the guy, it would be kind of like a glitch in the matrix. They just wouldn't know the heck am I doing with this guy. Now, maybe they'd still get their butt kicked, but eventually, but it was just that... It's just that being slightly off that threw them, you know, threw them for a loop. And so you you have to have an alternate, you know, you got to tune your nervous system to whatever threat's coming. And as a stand up, that's you just got to get ready for the idea. Here's what I'm here to do. I'm providing a service. These people need to laugh. This is what I'm here to do. And I want that to happen for them, not they owe me laughs. They owe me any. That's nonsense. It's, it's like being a massage therapist. There are no bad crowds, because that'd be like <laughs> like a massage therapist going, I can't do anything with you, you're too tense. Get to rubbing, dummy.
1: You can also be much more wise with the two of them by saying to them, look, if you're going to grind on your 15 minutes, you're going to have 15 minutes of fame, and that's it.
0: Right. Whereas, yeah, yeah.
1: whereas Hal Sparks, because he is more free-flowing, creative, and nonlinear, and welcomes the audience and gets into his fighting stance, he's going to be right. there forever.
0: Well, it's that's the, and that's been my goal. You know, my my ultimate career goal is to be Burgess Meredith
1: or, <laughs> or, or
0: Hume Cronin or Alan Arkin. I want to be the old bastard in the movie. That's great. Seriously, that is like my that. my dream job. The roles that I am looking forward to playing in my life where I feel like I will give the most and, and enjoy the most artistically are going to be when I'm f- frankly decrepit because <laughs> I'm going to be funny, even funnier than I am now. And and <laughs> arguably is cute, but relatively harmless. Right. <laughs> and that in and of itself ad, ad, gives you an ability to be funny in a way that, you know, get puts you in the realm of kind of Gene Kelly's personality and, you know, like a, a sweet silliness, you know, being George Burns would just be awesome when you're 95 years old. And and so I'm just sailing towards that <laughs> that long destination. I'm not so worried about the chop in the sea the way other people are like, I got to make it while I'm still sexy because the only reason I'm doing this is to get laid. That doesn't work. I That's see you not- as also
1: as Elijah Cook Jr. and... Others of his ilk, character actors from the 40s, you know, I I see that.
0: Well, Hal Sparks sounds like the name of a character actor from the 40s. It It really does. does. In
1: fact, I I forgot to mention to you, I'm working on a Hal Sparks puppet. So once I get that worked out, we'll see how I'll take Um, it on the road, see how it works out
0: i'm excited yeah, yeah. absolutely yeah, um, just i my only que- uh, request is is that your hand enter through the mid-back <laughs>
1: yes of course
0: <laughs> yeah we don't want to start any rumors yeah, yeah. no no yeah exactly <laughs> just just out the back of the shirt that, that's fine that's fine i can live with that
1: nerd are is this the first time in las vegas for nerd Halen? it
0: is it is it will be uh, it's our first of two so far because we are also booked at the m casino in January of next year, and because of COVID, things would get booked and then punted and booked and then punted, and that was just, you know, that's live entertainment. That, I'm sh- I'm sure the uh, vaudeville guys during the Spanish flu were just, <laughs> you, you know, sending really angry telegrams to, you know, to Saul in New York, right? I, I
1: know Georgie Jessel did.
0: Yeah, sure, right? <laughs> so, the, uh, you know, so we, you know, we've, we've been kind of planning ahead and sort of like, you know, piling them up as we go, but they're, uh-huh. but they continually add, you know, date after date and it's really nice. And hopefully my goal is, is that because I live here in Las Vegas, most of the time, um, that we can eventually get a, you know, a residency or a recurring thing monthly and that kind of thing, because it would be, you know, really lovely fun to do.
1: And if they go to houseparks.com, they could always find out where you're going to be next.
0: It's true. It's it's funny how that works. You know, I've had HalSparks.com since 1993. I oh. bought my URL when people thought I was insane. I was like this thing <laughs> called the internet. Listen to me, kids. It's gonna be big. Listen to me. Hang in there, kids. You get. To, here's what you're gonna have. One day, I'm gonna be able to. I won't have to have a videotape. I send to you. I'm gonna. I'll have videos on my website, and you'll be able to watch them in 340p. Um, <laughs>
1: That's true, and you also own how too. So there you go. Sure, right, <laughs> right, well,
0: org. I don't make. Oh yeah, sorry. Money yeah, you're that. right. You're right. Yeah, it's yeah. nonprofit. Uh, it's, sorry, uh, I apologize. that's part of my chair. That's my, part of my work with St. Jude's, um, where I, sh- I, I show up as the Terminator and scare everyone. It's like, well, you I'm were just here. kidding. I'm not here to hurt you in any way. This is it's fine. We're just I'm here to push the wheelchairs and you know to do the things and that type of things of that nature. You know. Um, well, you,
1: you did reveal a secret which i wasn't aware of that you reside a lot in las vegas
0: i do i do indeed um my uh my girlfriend has worked with a local um hypnotist named mark savard for years she was in uh, um the uh, magic show we met doing vh1's Dabra. the first time i saw her uh she appeared in a fish tank as part of a magic trick uh, she, two scarves turned into my girlfriend and, um, and, uh, it was, it, it was, it was nerve at first sight. And, um, so we've been, you know, like we were off and on back. I was back and forth here all the time. And then, you know, the current unpleasantness hit yes, and we decided to hunker down as a family, um, and, and stayed here, you know, the most, you know, for most of it. So I've really spent the better part of the last two years here, especially with my live stream, cause I live stream every day. I, you know, everything, when everything vanished, I was like breadwinner mode, what do we do? <laughs> so I started a live stream on YouTube on my channel every day, five days a week. Um, and that's that's been growing into a really wonderful thing. Um, so that helps us stay afloat while things come back online.
1: Yeah, no, that makes perfect sense. So that means you have to commute to L.A., which, of course, people do all the yeah. time and vice versa. But I, yeah, in my right. mind, I always thought you were based in L.A. Be, just well, because of the, your career.
0: The irony, I, I, mean, I mean, I am. I have a place in L.A. still. But the irony that it takes me some, most of the time, it takes me less time to drive, and most of the time I drive so I can have my car, drive from Vegas to Los Angeles. Then it sometimes took me to go from Venice, where my house was, before to Hollywood for a premiere or something, like multiple times. Summer and I, my girlfriend and I would go to like a movie premiere or something that was in Hollywood. And getting from the west side to Hollywood took four hours. And I'm like, that's the entire trip. I, I, honest to God, I'm waiting for the big Hesperia explosion, you know, where, or a bunch of like mid-zoners who have a Vegas show and work in LA are going to just blow up the community in Hesperia. Well, Victor,
1: I'd go for Victorville.
0: Well, of course you would, but the rest of us who are sane would, uh, settle on Hesperia. But there's a bookstore Um,
1: in Victorville. Come on, Hal.
0: Oh, that's true. Uh, Yeah. You got me on that one. Thank you. But there is a, uh. A Rubio's in uh, <laughs> or, or a Starbucks in, in Hesperia yeah, and that, an air and a small airport.
1: Yeah, I think yeah. that I think Starbucks is located in the Hesperia City Hall. I just I, I, that's I right, may, yes, that absolutely. may be the case.
0: Yeah, yeah, m- mayor/slash barista <laughs> talk about being hyphenates.
1: So, how do you keep all of this going? So many balls in the air because, as you mentioned, you have the YouTube, you have your mm-hmm. comedy career, you have the nerds. Well, I call it nerds. Nerd. It's kind of a short shorthand version of, of the yes, nerds.
0: absolutely. Then all the nerds. Not that's just that's not nerd hailing alone. Right. That's also the audience and the fan. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. so I, that works for me. And and considering how much I've talked about what language, culture, and AI, robotics. <laughs> exactly. I think nerds co- covers most of my fan base yes. on some fronts. Yes, and right.
1: French and Mandarin and magic.
0: That's right. And, yeah, yeah.
1: And martial that's arts. True. So yeah, there's a you have a wide ranging demographic there. That's so how, right. do, how do you keep them all bouncing up in the air? How do you keep it without going crazy? Or are you very organized?
0: <laughs> oh, well, the, I, I appreciate you uh, assuming I'm not crazy. That's very sweet of I you. I would never and say I, that in public. Thank no. you, Ira. Yeah. I, no, it means a lot. But I will say um, that it, is, it, it feels like you're moving str- either a football game and the su- Super Bowl all the time where you're balancing your passing versus your ground game and you're going, what is best suited to the response i'm getting or the threat that is in front of me or the opportunities that are presented. And so it's really both about that and then the rest of the time it's about uh, like physical and and emotional and mental maintenance because i uh, you know that's that's key in entertainment because you have a lot of downtime and that downtime can be filled with a lot of awful if you're not careful. Right. And and i since i don't drink or do drugs and never have I dodged that aspect of it. And so I've I've always been left to fill that free time with largely activities or study or, you know, uh, like Uber hobbies, like super hobbies, things that I actually turn into bits of career stuff. Like I'm a like I'm big into 3D printing. I've like two uh, that I built myself and another one I bought and and I used my 3d printer when i was directing on lab rats when you know i was on, i was on the show but i also directed some episodes to print some uh props for the show to show them what i wanted i went home designed it in you know in a 3d program and printed it out and went i think it should look like this and then they basically just spray painted it and we used it that's so that's great yeah that's yeah. i mean i i find that a fun part of the art you know But now, I would
1: never call you crazy, Hal. However, I do have the clinical report right here, so... But I'm not reading. It. Yes, yeah, I'm not reading. Yeah, it. yeah,
0: no. that was—it's all biased for one, and 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 uh, and that wasn't even my urine for the record. Now before I—I got it off eBay because I was trying to get out of the project. Understood. That's, that is totally unfair. If I had given them my own, I, they would have hired me. And so therefore.
1: Before I let you go, any future projects yes. you want to mention?
0: Um, yeah, the Sexy Liberal Comedy Tour is back on leading up to the uh, the election. So myself, Stephanie Miller, and John Fugelsang and Frangela, they're missing one date, but they're going to be on the road with us as well. We go around and we do, um, you know, l- Political stand-up, which is very different from my regular stand-up, which I would consider socio-political and interpersonal. I I, I want everybody to be able to enjoy my regular stand-up, but in this case, uh, this this is naming names and specific to the time. It's it's actually very timely. So those sets are. As, you know uh, written that day in a lot of cases simply because they have to be and so we're doing uh, you know DC Chicago we'll be doing Seattle San Francisco um, I'm trying to get them out here to uh, to Vegas close to the election so fingers crossed we'll be able to do that um, and then um, my sh- like I said infotainmentwars.com is my live stream and I'm also on Twitch because I'm you know building a youth audience so that when I either uh, when I'm old, I can still have some fans in their 50s. And uh, that's, that's, that's the goal. I, I, yeah. That's
1: a great way to leave it. My guest has been comedian-musician Hal Sparks. He'll be bringing his Van Halen tribute show, Nerd Halen, to Las Vegas on July 21st at Count's Vamped Rock Bar and Grill. That show is part of Punchlines and Backlines, a music fan-themed stand-up comedy show. For ticket information, go to vampedvegas.com. And for everything about Hal Sparks, go to halsparks.com, not .org, .com.
0: No, 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 that's total. I'm a mercenary. Yeah, Yeah. exactly. Uh,
1: And you can follow him on Twitter, Instagram, and Facebook. Hal, thanks for being on the show.
0: Thanks so much, Ira. I appreciate it.
1: See you next time.
0: You've been listening to Talk About Las Vegas with Ira. Each week, Ivor David Sternberg talks with the celebrities, entertainers, writers, and personalities who make Las Vegas the most exciting city in the world. Realty,